you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Andrew. Hey guys, it's Andrew. I'm writing this week. What do you have for me? What Bob's Burgers. Whoa! You did it. Right off the bat, that was our fastest pitch ever. That wasn't a pitch. That was a reveal. It was a reveal. I just wanted to get it out there. I was too excited. We yeah. talk about how excited we are. This time I want to show you how excited I was. <laughs> I believe We're it. doing Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers, eh? Our first animated TV show there you on go. the program. There you go. How, how has excited. it taken this long to get such a, an important genre in our in this day and age? A medium, maybe. Perhaps. Is it a genre? Is it a medium? It's, it's, it's Let's debate say. that for the next two hours, that listeners. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're talking about Bob's Burgers, which is created by Lauren Bouchard. And he is the co-creator of Home Movies, which I believe you are familiar with. Yep. The old, uh, mm-hmm. old animated show. Uh, the show was developed in conjunction Lauren Bouchard and Jim Dotrieff. It stars our favorite H. John Benjamin <laughs> as H. John as Bob Belcher. Bob, Bob Belcher. Bob Belcher. Bob Belcher. I didn't even yes. realize his la- their last name was Belcher. <laughs> yep. The the titular hero Bob <laughs> of Bob's Burgers. That's great. Uh, John Roberts as his wife Linda. Yes. Dan Mintz as their daughter Tina. Eugene Merman from Flight of the Concords fame as Gene Belcher, and Kristen Shaw from Flight of the Concords fame <laughs> as Luis Belcher. And that's the Belcher family who we'll be talking about a lot. Cool. Uh, originally debuted in January of 2011. It's been on the air for many years now. You can get it on Netflix, Fox on Demand, Hulu, get the DVDs available anywhere you want to see a show pretty much. And it's a comedy animated show. We, we chose it uh, because we've been wanting to do an animated thing. As Eric said, it took us a long time to get here. And it's rare because the ones that we love the most are Futurama, and The Simpsons, these things that you've definitely seen. Mm-hmm. So Bob's Burgers, even though now it's about five years old, yep. is relatively new and you haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, good. One, this one's a fun one. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so funny. It's And it's so simple. I mean, it, it takes that same sort of, uh, I guess, generic elements you'd expect from mm-hmm. the sort of animated sitcom where you have a family, family unit with the husband and the wife and their children. Yeah. Um, but it's it's perverse. Like, it's like you, you have that same sort of format in The Simpsons and uh, Family Guy. Um, and Family Guy is perverse as well, but I think Bob's Burgers is perverse in a different direction. Where Family Guy is perverse in that it is kind of raunchy and nasty, uh, Bob's Burgers is a bit more, a uh, bit more wholesome. And yet, at the same time, all of the characters have really strange problems. Right? Okay. Not even problems, just right. strong personalities that really shine through in a way that, like, you don't see on The Simpsons as much. And Bob's Burgers doesn't communicate directly with the audience in the way that Family Guy does. I'm not just talking about literal fourth wall breaks, but Bob's Burgers stays in the world, even though these characters are absurd, fun characters. So it's not self-referential? No, no, no. Not at all. And the show really developed. If you do watch it after this, I'd start with one of the later seasons. Season one was all right, but it, it hey, got just, better just as well. Just pop in along. where we are now. You know, watch, yeah, watch a new in. episode. You don't need to see anything going into this. Like, I had seen a few episodes here and there, and before we recorded this, I just wanted to catch up a little bit. I just watched the latest one that I had on Netflix, right. which was happens to be in season three. Okay. And it was, yeah. No, no loss. It has some of our favorite voice actors in it. It's oh, just yes. a fun show to listen to. I love listening to H. John Benjamin. I love Kristen Shaw and Eugene mm-hmm. Merman. Just, just fun, fun people. So, what, what's the show about? The show is about this restaurant called Bob's Burgers. It is a burger joint in uh, uh, on Ocean Avenue, somewhere in New Jersey. 
So we got a, we got some uh, just a, a Jersey Jersey family, um, and it's a, it's a struggling restaurant. Um, it's situated on a commercial street that relies heavily on traffic from uh, the amusement park. That's that's like a boardwalk sort of place. Uh, it's called Wonder Wharf. Is the name Wonder of this Wharf. like Coney Island sort of thing that's happening, uh, which is located on a pier uh, at the end of the Ocean Avenue, and uh, yeah. And that's yeah. that's where it is. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where it is. You've got the burger restaurant, which is next to a funeral parlor. Yeah, across the street from a pizza joint. <laughs> across the street from a pizza joint. Yeah. And the uh, the Belchers live above the burger restaurant. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So um, it is uh, it is Bob and his family who live above the restaurant and run the restaurant. Yeah. They all work. They're in the only the employees. Yep, it's it, kind of a diner sort of dive place. And mm-hmm. it's it's not popular. And across the street is Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria, which yes. Eric mentioned. And Jimmy Pesto is Bob's biggest rival. <laughs> okay, Jimmy it's, Pesto. It's, it's Italianish, so it's a little bit more fancy. Uh-huh. And but it's pizza. This, you, yeah, there's this pizza thing. You can't be pizza. You can't be pizza. Um, so that's that's really fun. Bob does not like Jimmy. And uh, his daughter has a crush on Jimmy's son, so yes. we'll talk about that yes, 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 a little yes. bit more. Romeo and Juliet, but very basic setup. You got the family living in the burger shop, or living above the burger shop, working in the burger shop, and yeah. it's their hijinks. Yeah, absolutely. That's all we got. And I'm just amazed that this place stays in business because, like, they have like two uh, people who eat there. Yeah. ever. <laughs> you know, there's never a full house. No, it's a very never. small place, but it's it, there's always plenty of seating available. And they're always behind on the rent. Yeah, you know, that's that's a okay. constant source of stress, which is very fun and funny. The kids Absolutely. are oblivious to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so as far as the characters go, let's start with Bob. This is the H. John Benjamin. You know, he's got. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a bad impression here, and people are going to hear it. There you go. It's just go. deep. It's I, yeah. I buy it. It's fine. All right. Good. Uh, his voice is so unique, though. Yeah, I love it. No, from home movies, I recognize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was the coach on home mm-hmm. movies. Yep. Yeah. Which makes McGurk. sense. And so he's the owner of the restaurant. He loves burgers. His parents were in the restaurant industry. And all he wants is just to be the family man and run his shop, and that's it. He's very simple goals. Simple man. And he's supportive of his family, although sometimes he's a little bit exhausted by how bizarre they are. Oh, no, everybody in his family is so off the wall with their hijinks and their personalities, and he's just the simple guy who just wants things to be simple. It's just like, why can't we just run this burger place and be happy? Yeah. Isn't that enough? And he's got a killer stash. Oh, man, yeah, he does. Which is why his wife, Linda, fell in love with him. So, <laughs> That's true. Oh, my goodness. So Linda is extremely positive, <laughs> and she, she likes to sing and perform. She'll come up with these improvised songs, which the actor who yes. plays Linda oh, actually comes up with himself in the studio. Okay. Um, so she'll just sing while she's doing stuff. And there are Sings lots of while she works. great okay. credit yeah. sequences that feature Linda singing a song. Yeah, <laughs> very supportive of the children. She's, she's a proud mama. And one of my favorite things is that she was previously engaged to this guy named Hugo until she left because of Bob's mustache. And Hugo <laughs> is now the health inspector for the restaurant. Oh, boy. So he shows up every now and again, and it's no. just it's too funny. Oh, man. And moving on to the kids, uh, the three of them, starting with Tina, the oldest, the, the, the oldest daughter. She is uh, she's just hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. She's boy crazy. Um <laughs> I love her so much because she is so dull sounding. Like she is, she never raises her voice. I mean, if you've ever heard or seen clips from the show, she's she's a girl, and yet her voice, she has the lowest voice. She's just other very than monotone. H. John. Yeah, very very even. She doesn't talk very loud. She doesn't get very excited, um, but she has amazing interests. Uh, especially related to uh, erotic friend fiction, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things in any show ever. Friend fiction? Yeah. So you know fan fiction. Hey, yep. this show is kind of about fan fiction. Yeah. Uh, she writes <laughs> fan fiction, but not about pop culture as much. She writes them about her friends and the people she goes to school with. Yeah. <laughs> and it's erotic. It's my erotic friend what? fiction. It involves a lot of butt touching. Yeah. Butt touching! Uh-huh. But again, remember, she is not a adult sexual no, person. No, she, she, she is developed, it's yeah. like maybe kissing, hugging, and touching butts. <laughs> that's, that's about it. A very childish understanding yeah. of, of what intimacy mm-hmm. is. So, it, yeah. 
she writes that. It's great. Uh, the next kid in line is Gene, uh, who is Eugene Merman. And, Gene. oh, man, he's such an excitable little guy. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he, lo- he loves... yelling. Yeah, constantly yelling. He likes to sing. He likes to eat. He's, he's, always, uh, he's always shouting, unlike, unlike Tina. And uh, he will just get excited about anything and shout something. And in my favorite shtick with him is that he'll shout something uh, that is completely innocent or that he thinks is completely innocent, but is, in fact, a really dirty thing to say. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. We just watched one. Oh, man. Help me out Oh, here, yeah, so in the one that we just watched, they're going on a river oh, with, yeah. a, with a bunch with of tubes, tubes <laughs> and he just shouts, I'm going to get my tubes tied! Because <laughs> they lash the tubes together. Yeah, okay, so this show tied. is the punniest show. We'll mention oh, that now and we'll bring it up yeah. again. Yeah, it His puns are all unintentional, uh-huh. but there are intentional puns as well. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's just killer with Gene. So Gene, just he's a happy guy. He yells. He'll go along with anything. Yeah. Loves eating, uh-huh. and he likes to sing. He thinks he's a rock star. Absolutely. He kind of reminds me of Bobby Hill a little bit in that he is, like, he is not the sort of son uh, that Bob would necessarily choose for Mm -hmm. himself. Uh, But the difference between this and King of the Hill is that uh, Bob definitely still loves Gene and doesn't think he's less because he is himself. He's not like uh, Hank Hill, where it's like, that boy ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say anything like that, but but uh, Gene definitely doesn't have the most masculine of interests yeah. or abilities. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, last one. The, the best the best of the Belcher children, in my opinion. Oh, man. Louise, played by Kristen Shaw. Louise. She's, uh, Louise is the, she's got the pink bunny hat. That's a very yeah, important. I've She's seen always that. wearing yep. the pink bunny hat. Oh, if someone not. were to take their pink bun- her pink bunny hat, they might end up dead. That, that's about how that goes. Does that ever happen? It happened in one episode, yeah. And it was, it and was she, dark. like, had a meltdown? It was dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, not just freaking out, like... The lengths of revenge. Well, because Louise... yeah. I describe her as a Machiavellian-type schemer, right? <laughs> yeah. She's always what coming schemer? up with these elaborate and dark plans. Oh, just duplicitous mm-hmm. in nature. Yeah. But they're all to, to accomplish kid things. <laughs> You know, it's like to get an extra half hour at recess or to get 20 bucks, which is more money than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So she is just this evil little genius, but with very small childlike goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she's not uh, she's not quite Stewie from Family Guy, where right. it's like world dom- domination and really evil things. She just has evil uh, methods to achieving very innocent goals. Yes, and she she's usually the one who's driving the plot forward amongst the kids. Yeah, yeah. It's usually her plan, the thing that she wants. I mean, she is the most motivated, I think, of anyone in this family. Period. Yes, and sometimes she just wants to watch the world burn, as the Joker would say. Mm-hmm. So she'll do things just like she'll play with people just to entertain herself, set people against each other. Yeah, I, I love her. She's she's the best on the show. And it's, it's Kristen Shaw. So yeah. it's perfect. I love Kristen Shaw. Yeah. Okay, then we've got the Pestos, the rival family, who are good foils if you're writing something that you need a little tension in. Uh, there's, I'll go through them real quick. Uh, there's Jimmy, who's the owner. He's successful, smug. He knows that his business is more popular than Bob's, and he rubs it in his face at every opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then there's Jimmy Jr., who is not a very cool, good-looking, popular kid, but Tina just thinks the world of him. Oh. He's, he's this awkward guy. He's got a bit of a lisp. And uh, it's just fantastic. He's also played by H. John Benjamin. <laughs> I didn't know oh, that. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And then, of course, Ollie and Andy. Yay! <laughs> who are uh, recurring characters. They're not regular characters. None of these people are regular characters. Uh, but they're these little twins, these awkward little creepy twin stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And they're played by the Silverman sisters, Sarah and Laura Silverman. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the back and forth between them. Hey, Ollie. Hey, Andy. Just a lot of really fun exchange there. Um, so they can be on uh, Jimmy Jr.'s side or they can be roped into something that Luis is doing and they can, they're they just malleable. <laughs> they'll, they'll bop around but don't separate the two of them. Oh yes, no, they, they might die if they get separated. Yeah. yeah, Always together. And then uh, the last person I have on my list here uh, we got uh, a regular at Bob's is Teddy. Teddy who is a just he's a, he's a schlubby schlubby Joe regular guy. Yeah. Um, and he's just like a contractor, 
Um, I don't know if he's, he's a plumber or an electrician. Or, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, I can't he's remember either. But he's, he's, no, he just comes like in and he, he, hey, Bob, come here. Is, like, is he like the norm of, of, kind of, of, norm. of Bob's he's Burgers? Comes yeah. in, the frequent guys. Like, oh, he's hey, always Teddy. there. Like, it's, if there's it's a every scene, lunch. He's yeah, there. Okay. If there's a scene of Bob's Burgers and it's between the family, there's a chance he's just there and he's, you know, yeah. you just you pitch At the counter one of the booths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joining in on the conversation. And he's just another person that Bob puts up with. Because Teddy's a weird dude. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Tells dark stories. You know, he used to be model hot and probably dated a lot. <laughs> and uh, now he's just this schlubby, sad sack who eats burgers every day. Yeah. Yeah, again, not exactly the clientele Bob would like. But right. uh, it's all he's got. It's important to know that Bob's burgers are good burgers. So it's it, oh, okay. we're saying that no one comes in here, but it's not like it's it's a bad food experience. He's maybe not the the best run business. Yeah, is all sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the tone of this show, it, there's there's a lot of failure in this show, mm-hmm. um, but it's all played for laughs. Okay. Um, Marcus, yeah, how would you describe? Well, it? they they always get by. It, it's a very it's a funny show. They're supportive of themselves, even though they're this weird, off family, and. I said the rent thing, they, they're always struggling for rent, but they always get by. Yeah. You know, there, there's never really dire straits, and there's no ambition in the family to go do anything other than what they're doing. So as far as sure. Bob's concerned, he's made it, he's training the kids, he wants them to take over when he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the show. I mean, it's very laid back, very funny. All the humor really comes from these characters. Yeah, how and, they clash and how they interact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those, those kids, especially. Yeah, the kids. The kids are kids. probably the heart of the show. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, the the tropes, the things that we see frequently. Uh, they've got something terrible happening at the restaurant. There's always something okay. really bad that's going on that they have to solve yeah, a crisis maybe, there. Maybe there's an event going on outside on the street on Ocean Avenue that's disrupting business. Right. Um, maybe uh, health inspector. Yeah, health inspector coming. Maybe Linda gets suddenly very excited about some idea that whisks the family away on some adventure. Uh, yeah, so Bob has to run the restaurant by himself. Yeah. Or I think at one gun. point there's a plot where Linda decides to open up the upstairs as a as a B and B sort of thing. Oh, so they're no. taking tenants in the house yeah. and the restaurant. Yeah. So there's always something like that going on. And then one of my favorite things that they do every episode is they have the burger of the day, oh, which yeah. is another oh. pun. So there's a little chalkboard, and they have a burger of the day where it's a play on words, and they'll give you what the burger is and then a description of the, the name of the burger and then a the description of what's on the burger. Yeah. So Okay, Na- okay name and, what, and ingredients. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. always a pun, always a play on words. I love that. Uh, yeah. What are some examples? Uh, it's too Gouda. It's would, too Gouda. Would be like a burger that has a lot of Gouda on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of musical ones. Uh, the one we just watched, which I, this one's not the most clever, was the one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, sprouts, Sprouts, Sprouts it all out. <laughs> yeah. with one of them, burger with Sprouts on it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah good stuff. No, that's fun. I like that. Yeah, and it's always it's just a sight gag. Nobody ever talks about it. It's just there on the board mm-hmm. in the restaurant. Okay. It's not never discussed, but well, it's always there. It is there. sometimes discussed cuz cuz uh Louise likes to change them. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, or do ones that are not a good thing to have a burger. Oh, sure. Yeah. So okay. that, that can be fun. That's um, fun. I like that. I love that this is puns. That puns are yeah. a big part of the comedy cuz I I love a good pun. <laughs> you're you're a connoisseur. This, this is a show, you know, uh, similar to Frasier, where they had funny characters who laugh at each other's jokes. It's not just jokes for the audience watching at home. Mm. There will be frequent occasions in Bob's Burgers where Bob or Linda will make a joke and then they'll laugh at it. You know, it's sure. they're aware that they can be funny and well, can be intentionally funny. Well, if they're making puns yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, There's yeah. the smug satisfaction to it. Right, Exactly, and that's just dad jokes. Right. No, we get that. Right. Oh, I love a good dad joke. Oh man, but Louise, Louise can can really drive this thing because Louise is always doing something dastardly. Yeah, that, that's probably the easiest way to structure your shamfic if you want just to have Louise doing something. We don't know what she wants or why she's doing it, but 
I think that might be the way I go with it yeah. because like you describing her, she definitely seems like the one that just makes things happen. Yeah. Um, and it's Kristen Shaw, mm-hmm. and I absolutely adore her. So can you work on your Kristen Shaw voice? Oh, I'll, I'll I'll have to try a little bit. I'll have to rehearse a little bit. <laughs> then H. John. Uh, so we'll so see. let's hear what you got, and then we can uh, yeah, maybe bonus points some good on your notes way. here. Absolutely. So we're doing Bob's Burgers. It follows uh, the Belcher family at their little restaurant on Wonder Wharf up here in New Jersey next to an amusement park. The uh, amusement park is Wonder Wharf. Oh. That's well, the name of the amusement park. They're near it. Oh, so I, thought, not, I figured it was like a Santa Monica it. Pier sort of thing. Uh, no, they're on the street. The street ends in the pier. And okay. The Wonder Wharf is on the pier. Okay. All right. Cool. Amusement so park. you would walk by Bob's Burgers on your way to Wonder Wharf. Yeah. All right. But the family lives at, uh, above the restaurant, and they all work there. Uh, Bob, who's the patriarch, he's a good father, and he wants to run his business. He has simple goals. He's a simple man. Just want, It seems like he just wants a very simple life. He yeah. wants the world to be a simpler place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and kind of uh, size when it's not, because it's it's not. Uh, Linda, his wife, who likes to sing while she works, and she done loves that mustache. Ooh, man. And she's a proud mom of her three children. Tina, the eldest daughter, who has a deep voice. She's boy crazy and writes erotic friend fiction with (laughs) butt touching. Yeah. Uh, Gene, who is the middle child, he's excitable. He shouts everything. He sings and he says unintentional dirty puns. Um, Louise, who always wears a buddy hat. She is the Machiavellian schemer, dark and duplicitous, but for childlike things. Mm -hmm. Um, The Pestos that run the Italian restaurant across the street. Jimmy, who is much more successful than Bob and will never let him forget (laughs) it. Uh, Junior, who is not good looking, but still Tina's crush. And then these, of course, creepy twins, because twins are creepy. Um, And voiced by the Silverman sisters, which is fantastic. (laughs) And then Teddy, who uh, he always hangs out at the restaurant and eats there. So this is a show where there's always something wrong going on at the restaurant. Lots of failure. The Belchers never quite work it out, but they stick with it. And they never completely fail. The restaurant stays open. They're getting by. And that seems to be quite enough, about enough for them. Uh, yeah. No ambition beyond that. But they just want to keep the ship sailing. Um, but there's always something wrong going out of the restaurant. Either charged by, uh, um, kicked off by the characters themselves or by something happening outside. Um, there's a burger of the day. I'm going to put some puns in it. <laughs> and that's what I got. Excellent. Fantastic. So what about bonus points? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think you nailed that set up so i'm really excited to see what you have to say mm-hmm. uh i think the bonus point for me is going to be the best ratio of Luisa's plot to the lowest return so the more effort she needs to put in for the smaller the yeah. thing that she's getting out of it that's what i want to see so if you if that's you impress good. me with that you're gonna get my bonus points gotcha the uh for me my bonus points are going to be well. First of all, the, this one is required. You can't not do it because I know you're already going to do it. I just want to make sure you got to have a burger of the day. Yeah, we have to see what it is, and it has to be funny. I have to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't do that, you'll fail. <laughs> um, my real bonus point, though, uh, that is the optional points, is a is somebody in the family. Uh, wasting a significant amount of money on something stupid. Okay. Because money is tight for this family, and there are often plots involved somebody buying something or going into some scheme or Mm -hmm. just spending money they shouldn't be spending on things that definitely don't help the business. Okay. And then trying to justify it as something that does help the business. Yes, absolutely. And this is always done, I would assume, by someone who's not Bob. Or does Bob? Bob can do it. Bob yeah, does his own money. Absolutely. He does. This is a mismanaged company, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so. he is not a businessman. He's a good burger maker, but not a right. businessman. Gordon exactly. Ramsay would call this a kitchen nightmare. Ooh. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Is Bob the only guy that flips the burgers? Is he the only one the guy that works the grill? Or does everybody no, work the grill? I think the kids work the grill. Kids work the grill. Everyone's working the grill. Okay, cool. All right. yeah, I yeah. worked the grill once. You did? Oh, yeah. okay. That's cool. fantastic. Just bringing it to people. After this. Sure. I don't think the health inspector will be. Oh, there was Hugo. I wrote down Hugo, so I know that there's a health inspector. There's yeah. former Fling of Linda's. I wrote that down, too. There you go. So. Former fiancé. <laughs> Oh, former fiance. Yeah. Oh, they were no. engaged when Linda yeah. met Bob. And saw that mustache. Oh, girl, just just hooked, hooked right into her, dragged her along. Like a, 
they did a great episode where it was what if Bob didn't have the stash, and of course Linda ends up marrying Hugo. So it is literally just the stash that brought them together. <laughs> Does Bob know that? Yeah. Is Bob very aware He's of very that? very aware. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep that thing. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Mm. Well, guys, this all sounds good. I think I have enough to go from. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, getting ready to do some, some voices that will hopefully <laughs> impress you, oh, but gosh. will most likely disappoint. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go write this thing, and I'll see you guys in a few. Oh, all right. Thanks, buddy. Hey Sham listeners, if you like the show, there are two things you can do that'll really help us out. The first is subscribe. You'll get a new episode every week in 2016 without fail. That's our pledge to you. And that'll be delivered automatically to your device. Beyond that, you could really help us out by writing a review. Let other people know what the show's about, what your experience has been. And if it's positive, all the better. If you don't feel like you can write a positive review, think about it as a writing challenge. You think you're better than us? Write a sham fiction of a good review. Make us believe that you believe in us. I know you can do it. Anyway, thanks for listening. All right, while Andrew is off writing Bob's Burgers, let's talk a little bit about what we expect to see from it, Eric. This is our first sitcom cartoon on the show, so that's a little bit different. Uh Does that impact what you think Andrew's going to do? Not at all, not at all. No, I honestly I I don't know how cartoony I expect this to get from Andrew. Um I it's just it's a style I haven't seen. Like before we started airing the show, the closest thing we had done was a cartoon. We did a, a Star Wars Rebels oh, show right. that we haven't aired because it's, we were just trying to get the format in order at the time. But that is so different obviously. We got to see action Andrew, which is one of my favorite versions of Andrew. It's one of the uh, top Bob's Andrews. Burgers. It's yeah. one, one of the best Andrews out there. And this is so completely different that I just, I think it's brand new. I don't know what to expect. I don't, he did a great job with, uh, with Frasier, which yeah. is a sitcom. Yeah. This is a sitcom. So if he's at all like Frasier, great. If he's at all like Star Wars Rebels, which again is an unfair reference for the audience who hasn't listened to it, uh, then I think we're in trouble. Yeah, I think if so, it's a lot of violence at Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I mean, the possibility is always there, but I don't think he'll go that way. No. I'm trusting that he's going to be more Frasier. He's going he's gonna to do a solid sitcom sort of story. Um, and my secret bonus point is that it's going to heavily feature Gene. Uh, oh, yes. The, the reason being that Andrew... And us, you and I as well. We love Eugene Merman. Uh, yes. Partially because of how heavily he was featured on, uh, or at least slightly featured on uh, Flight of the Concords. Uh, and we saw him live uh, at a show in Minneapolis opening for the Concords. So I feel like the love for Eugene Merman is going to come through and we're going to get some good Gene out of him. Yeah. I was going to say what was on his, his plate, his... Uh decorative plate oh, that gosh. he was selling yeah, you can, but then you can i remember that this is a that this is a clean yeah. show so uh, that's right we can't talk about that but i'll kick you somewhere so hard that something will happen out of it's, fear yeah out of fear it's look, violent look it up kids with hard language so yep. let's we'll talk about it on the next explicit show yes so i i think that he's going to be taken by the girls uh by tina and louise I think that we'll see the perspective yeah. of one of them, um, you know, because Tina writes her fan fiction. She seems like she might be the kind of person that Andrew oh, would bring in the erotic would, friend fiction. Wouldn't it be great if his whole thing is a Tina, a writing of Tina's Tina's uh, friend fiction and, and Tina's friends wrote? with us. So it's like yeah. a full on Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that so hard. Oh, yes. but then again, uh, with Weez. Uh, Christian Shaw also flight of the oh Concords, yeah another flight of the so, Concords. so I don't know there's a lot of options here and who doesn't so, love H John so that's that's always an option too I'm excited to hear Andrew's H John Benjamin impression I bet it'll sound just like a CJ Miller from Deadpool it'll be <laughs> oh, no <laughs> just Deadpool. as excellent all right well let's stop making fun of the man and bring him in all right. Fair. <laughs> Hey, buds, best pals, I'm back. (laughs) 
Sup, Andrew? Oh, oh I wasn't talking to you. We, I wasn't we, talking we to you. Being I was totally nice to you in the prediction segment. I, I was talking to the listeners. I, I welcome. Hey, listeners, buds, pals. Oh, I will. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Eric. Oh, hey. oh there you go. How you doing? Uh, We're doing all right. Definitely not making fun of you at all. What? Have you guys been talking behind my back? That is part of the show. It's a it's a segment we, in every we episode. We do it literally Andrew. every week. <laughs> Don't you ever listen to the show? But wait a second, wait a second. I do that about you guys. You can't do it about me. No. Wait, you mean oh. I should listen to the show too? <laughs> Double standard. Uh, guys, I so make I... the uh, podcasting rule book. I've been writing some Bob's Burgers. At oh, least good. my version of it. That um, was the assignment, so I'm ha- I'm glad. <laughs> yep, I didn't go off base. I, uh, I did as I was told. And so now I got a... Uh, little Bob Bur- Bob's Burgers jam fic here to share with y'all. Why, why don't Bobby's you slam B. that story on the griddle for us? Ooh. Cook it up good. It'll be tasty. I hope it's tasty. Uh, all right, so let's get into this. This is Andrew Neal's sham fiction of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Bob was freaking out a little. It was lunch hour. <laughs> he was in his usual spot, standing before the grill with his trusty spatula, doing what he did best making some tasty burgers. What had Bob (laughs) nervous was the number of patties sizzling on that grill, and therefore, the number of patrons in his establishment. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, Bob thought. (laughs) (laughs) Linda entered from the back room, carrying a large bag of crinkle-cut fries. Linda, honey, can you believe this? Bob asked, (laughs) gesturing to the lobby of the restaurant. Linda noticed a nervous smile beneath his impressive mustache. I know, dear, she replied as she passed behind him towards the friars. It's quite the rush. Seven whole guests? And Teddy isn't even here. Bob hadn't noticed this. He quickly scanned the restaurant. You're right. Oh, man, can you imagine if we get eight people in here? It would be the biggest rush we've had since opening. A bead of sweat fell from Bob's brow onto the grill, evaporating into a tiny puff of steam. Oh, don't be so nervous, Linda said as she dumped fries into the fryer baskets and activated the frying cycle. With business like this, you should be, she snorted a little before continuing, over the moon. They both laughed. This was funny because it happened to be astronaut Neil Armstrong's birthday that day. Bob's Burgers was observing the occasion with their burger of the day, the Meal Parmstrong Burger, which had grated Parmesan cheese seared onto the bun and a slice of Swiss atop the patty. Good. Thanks for the laugh, hon, Bob said as he leaned over and gave Linda a peck on the cheek. She shivered. She loved it when his luxurious mustache hair brushed her face. Oh, mama likey, she thought. She hardly had any time to likey the moment when Tina bust through the front door, accompanied by the lazy ring of its electronic chime. This drew the attention of everyone in the restaurant. The look of horror on Tina's face only expressed a fraction of the horror blazing through her mind. She looked around the room with tear-filled eyes until she saw the blobs that looked most like her parents. She ran over to the counter and stopped across from them. I need to hide, she said through heavy breaths. Whoa now, dear, what's the matter? Linda asked. She hadn't seen her daughter this worked up since Zane left One Direction. Jimmy Jr.'s coming, (laughs) Linda cried. Bob grimaced and glanced around the room. His seven cherished guests were all peering in his family's direction. Uh, Linda, uh, he began. Tina, honey, why are you hiding from Jimmy Jr.? Linda asked. Some, because someone gave him, they, they, they gave him. Tina hesitated before shouting, I can't tell you! And Latina turned away from her parents and ran into the back room. They'd never understand, she thought as she began to sum. How could they? Bob turned to his wife as a couple more beads of his sweat hit the grill. Uh, can you? He began. On it, Linda replied as she disappeared into the back. Bob looked around at his clearly uncomfortable guests. Uh, teenagers, right? He said with a shrug. The diners all smiled, or chuckled politely. Then, the front door chime rang again, followed by an angry voice. Belcher! Jimmy Pesto stood in the front door, accompanied by his son Jimmy Jr. 
Pesto's face was as red as his signature marinara, while Junior's was as pale as the house Alfredo. Pesto stormed <laughs> over to the counter, pushing his son forward with one hand and grasping a composition notebook in the other. Pesto leaned over and waved the notebook in Bob's face. What the hell is wrong with your daughter? Pesto demanded. Bob quickly looked past the irate Italian man to his guests, who were once again glancing over at the drama at the counter. He knew they wouldn't take much more of this. Uh, Jimmy, Bob began. I- I'm sorry if Tina... Do you know the type of crap your daughter's been writing about my boy? Pesto asked. Uh, Bob hesitated. What, what kind of crap? Inappropriate crap! Pesto elaborated. Get a load of this. He swung open the notebook and flipped through a few pages until he found a passage exemplifying his point. (laughs) He cleared his throat for effect and began to read aloud so the whole restaurant could hear. As our Ferris wheel carriage jerked to a stop at the peak of its revolution, Jimmy Jr. reached over and calmly took the cone of cotton candy from my hand. He took a bite let the sweet pink fluff dissolve on his supple tongue, and leaned over to kiss me all over my face. Uh, 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 Jimmy, Bob started. Uh, you, you, you can stop. I get what you... Oh, no! Pesto interrupted. No, we haven't gotten to the good part. <clears throat> when he finally kissed me on the lips, I could taste the cotton candy. It was so sweet and so delicious, I reached around his back and pulled him closer to me. As we continued to kiss, passion overtook me, and my hand crept further and further down his back until I felt my fingers touch the supple skin at the top of his butt. Pesto slammed the notebook shut and threw it down on the counter. Explain this to me, Bobby boy. Uh, it seemed pretty straightforward, Bob replied, though he didn't like how much his daughter used the word supple. (laughs) You think this is a joke? Pesto snarled. No wonder your kids are so screwy. Hey now, Bob exclaimed, pointing his spatula at Pesto. My kids aren't screwy. The chime on the front door rang again. Hey, Dad, look who I am, Jim shouted. Not now, Jim, Bob shouted back in reply before doing a double take in his son's direction. Gene was standing in the doorway wearing a kid-scale replica of Neil Armstrong's spacesuit from the Apollo 11 mission. Through the open visor in the suit, Gene grinned ear to ear. This was literally the happiest the boy had ever been in his entire life. (laughs) Meanwhile, his father was really starting to freak out. Oh my god, Bob said, too shocked to be angry. He had a full flop sweat going now. He couldn't decipher if the sizzles below him were from his burgers or his perspiration. Gene bounded forward in long, awkward strides, trying to simulate the moon's low gravity. He made noises to accent each step for some reason, unknown even to him. I'm Neil Palmstrong, he he shouted. Gene, where'd you get that? Bob asked. On Zoomacroom.com, like you said? Gene shouted. <laughs> uh, uh, like who said? Like I said? Bob's mind wasn't working fast enough for the situation. Yeah, in your note, Gene shouted. And I chose the super speedy two-hour delivery like you wanted, so I could get it before lunch and wear it in front of the shop for advertising purposes. Looks expensive, <laughs> Pesto commented. It was the most expensivest one, and non-reflendable. Gene shouted as he be- shouted as he ran behind the counter. Dad, Dad, pick me up! I want you to blast me off! Gene, no! Bob cried as Gene jumped around him in the bulky suit with his arms in the air. Blast me off! Blast me off! Gene! Bob pleaded. You need to stop! As Bob tried to settle his son down, the chime on the front door rang once more. <laughs> Linda, I have come for you! Hugo called. The handsome health inspector was wearing a flattering pinstripe suit suit, with polished shoes and brandished a massive bouquet of flowers. Are you freaking kidding me? 
Bob seethed as Hugo approached the counter, grinning ear to ear. Hugo had received a life-changing call that morning from Linda, his one true love. She had said, in the girlish voice he remembered from when they were kids, that she was finally ready to run away with him and live the fairy tale life he'd always foreseen for them. This was literally the happiest Hugo had ever been in his entire life. I've come to sweep my Linda away from your mustachioed clutches, Bob. Hugo exclaimed with a dramatically, comp- a dramatically complimentary point of his finger. Bob opened his mouth to respond, but nothing came out. So Pesto seized the, seized the opportunity. You got a lot of nerve, Hugo, he said. Yeah, Hugo, Bob began, but Pesto wasn't finished. Giving me a B on your last inspection? A B to Jimmy Pesto? Where do you get off? Pesto lunged forward at Hugo, who squealed in fear and shoved his bouquet into Pesto's face. Pesto grabbed the flowers and threw them on the ground. He proceeded to stomp on them as he cursed Hugo and his restaurant's inadequate health score. Bob looked past the chaos at the counter and into the restaurant lobby, where not a single guest remained. However, Hmm. in place of his lost patrons, a lone figure stood in in the center of the room. She wore a Machiavellian smile beneath her pink bunny ear hat. At the sight of her, Bob finally snapped. All right, stop, he shouted with all the anger he had mustered. As intended, everyone froze and fell silent. They all turned from Bob to the little girl with the bunny ears. Bob stormed around the counter to confront his youngest. Why did you do all this, Louise? he asked. (laughs) Daddy, what are you talking about? She replied with an innocent scrunch of her nose. She had prepared to play the long con with him. You're behind all this, Bob replied. Behind what? Everything that's happening. Yes, I am, she confessed, already bored with the long con. So why, Bob demanded. Because you said I can't go to the moon! Louise screeched. She crossed her arms and glared at Bob, who was not expecting anything close to this answer. In fact, it took him a few seconds to process what his daughter had said. Finally, it sunk in, and his anger returned. Of course you can't go to the moon, he yelled. Why not? Louise yelled back. Because you can't just go to the moon. Neil Armstrong did. Neil Armstrong was an astronaut. So? So astronauts go into space. Normal people don't go into space. Then I want to be an astronaut. Well, you can't. Bob cut himself off. He gazed into the teary eyes of his little girl. He couldn't say what he was about to say with those eyes looking back at him. He wouldn't say it because it wasn't true. He got down on one knee and looked straight at her at his daughter. You can, he told her. You can be an astronaut. You can be whatever you want to be and go wherever you want to go. Like the moon? She asked with a sniff. Yes, Bob said, like the moon. Louise's eyes widened in awe. She thought about every possible place in the whole wide world that she could go. The moon. New York. China. Grandma's house. Wonderland. Walmart. Wow, she said as it all sunk in. Then, after a beat, she blinked. Cool! Thanks, Dad! She kissed him on the cheek and ran behind the counter to play with Jean. Bob smiled and touched his cheek where she had kissed him. It wasn't the happiest moment of his entire life, but it was a pretty good one. The end. (laughs) Oh, boy. I am so happy now. (laughs) What an adorable story. That was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my man. One second, guys. I have to catch my breath. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to say it. I think that may be my favorite sham fiction that you've written on this show. Uh, oh, Lord. I really, really enjoyed that. And I wish Dang. that we would have recorded the video because the people listening at home are <laughs> missing out on Andrew's wonderful full body portrayals of each scene. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. My gosh. You you were worried about the voices. And you should not have been worried about the voices, Andrew. 
That was great. Your yeah, that was John the, was the fantastic. best version of Jerry Stiller as Jimmy Pesto I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. <gasps> Ugh, it was a good H. John. It was a good Linda. It was a good Kristen Shawl. Oh, I had boy. it. And that that scene at the end where it, it, this argument between Wheeze and Bob that was fantastic. That's yeah. this shouting match driven by fueled by all the crap that had been going on up to that point all the 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 world spinning out of control for Bob just all directed at Wheeze. Uh it was great. It was a fun moment. Yeah. That was that was wonderful. Uh, it felt like you had a lot of words in that. How long was the story, Andrew? Uh, this was nineteen hundred, so it was <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought yeah, it was going to be sure. even longer, and not because I wasn't enjoying it, but because you said so much, um, and yeah. you you did such a good job of giving every single character in this their little moment. Every single character yeah, who you brought everybody. in had a good character accurate moment. Uh, and that was really impressive. And he even had the ability to reference Teddy, who wasn't there. I really wanted to get Teddy in there, but I just couldn't fit him in. I was going to use my John Ratzenberger voice for him, and we'll have to save that for another day. <laughs> uh, that would have been pretty pretty good. Uh, yeah, nice. no, that's true. Like, everybody we told you, I think, in our setup uh, made an appearance, at least in name, in the case of, of Teddy. I mean, you even got Hugo in there, which is... <laughs> Insane. <laughs> Which we confused d- me for a moment. I was scared. I'm just like, why is Linda writing to Hugo? And then it all made sense when Weez showed up finally at the end. We didn't get Ollie and Andy. Uh, so that was, oh, that's that was true. the only bummer. That's true. But we didn't need Close. them. No, we didn't need them. Would have been uh, too much. And I don't, did Jimmy Jr. say anything? No, he never said a word. Yeah. Which is uh, fine. But man, I I just want to keep praising you. But before we do, let's hear a little bit about your thoughts, your process on this one, Andrew. Because well done. Ah, thanks, guys. Yeah, this... I wanted to get a lot of characters in this because I wanted to have fun with voices. And um, I also wanted to... My idea here, due to the number of characters and, like, you know, characters, you know, people with very strong but simple characterizations... I wanted to make a screwball comedy. I wanted to make something with people coming in and leaving and like tons of things just piling up on the, you know, itself. And it just becoming mm-hmm. this just giant farce of people all with their own problems piling atop of Bob, simple, simple Bob Belcher. I just thought <laughs> it lent itself to that really well. And while it might not have had like the sort of action that a screwball comedy usually has with like, Misunderstand. Well, it was. It was full of misunderstandings, but maybe a little differently than most screwball comedies are. Um, I still kind of tried to make this like the screwball comedy of Bob's Burgers. Um, so that was my my inspiration going into this, and how I well, wanted you, to pack as many characters in as possible. You need more time to fully do a screwball comedy to have all those misunderstandings play out. Yeah, but I think this condensed version. You did a very good job of getting that pace and that comedy across it just wasn't as many of the the misunderstandings yeah yeah so that was that was what i was thinking going into it trying to do something like that awesome very well done Uh, i think executed it uh in admirably um that i'm i'm just impressed that you managed to get so much plot in such a short amount of time it really did feel like um the basis of an entire episode like uh, everything leading up to the climax and it all kind of came together in a way that didn't feel overlong um and didn't bore at any moment like there was no point where i'm where i thought that i felt the length um and uh and yeah it's i i just have good things to say like i have i have zero criticisms to give to you on this one which is is great right (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I think it is. I think it is. You know, in terms of length, like I could have, I thought about towards the end about cutting at least like one thing out, like Hugo coming in possibly, because enough had kind of happened up until that point. He'd already had Tina and, well, and Jimmy. You know, and, I would argue that that is the thing that really 
uh, puts Bob over the top. Like if you if you didn't have Hugo coming in, then his anger towards uh, Wheeze might not seem as justified. And that's the one that I th- I thought made the least sense as far as what's happening in the show. It's like literally just this guy dropping out of nowhere and be like, hey guys, remember me? Everything is awful. And it just, <laughs> it was so purposefully negative, so purposefully uh, out of character that it seemed like it had to be part of some sort of scheme. And uh, sure. it was. Yeah, and I actually would say that you, you did need to have it in. Because it was the first tip-off to me that this is all part of Louise's plan. Because you, you had yeah. that line about her girlish voice just the way they remembered it from when they were kids. Uh, just the <laughs> way you remembered it from when they were kids. Yeah. So that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, so this is how Louise is going to come in here. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering when she was going to show up, and that, that tipped it in very nicely. Okay, cool. Yeah, I tried, I dropped in a hint with everybody that came in. Um, yeah. and perhaps it got lost amidst the, the, the manic voices and everything. But, um, Tina says like, she doesn't know who gave Jimmy Jr. The notebook. Mm-hmm. And Gene says that Bob told him in a note to buy the suit. Um, so I was trying to, you know, drop little specks of hints that it wasn't, that it was Louise or somebody was behind it the whole time. Sure. You know, uh, one thing that I thought was funny about this, not that this is a negative at all, was that the kids in this story actually felt like children, which uh, you sometimes don't get in Bob's Burgers, (laughs) that they come across as much older than they actually are. But your version, they all seemed like actual children. Um, And even just Louise, you know, getting overcome by all her options in life that she could go to to uh wonder world or she could go to walmart and like wow thanks daddy kiss on the cheek is so childish uh that it it does it threw me off a little bit because she doesn't ever get that that way uh that like i don't know sentimental (laughs) uh marcus well that that completely nailed my bonus points because extraordinary effort for the yes. lowest possible stakes, which is just her dad saying she can go to the moon. It's yep. not even a real thing, and it's not something that's actionable. So mm-hmm. really, really appreciated that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I just want to talk about these character moments. I mean, that uh, the uh, Bob himself uh, just, like, sweating because of, of he's got seven guests is fantastic um Mm -hmm. yet he remains very even keeled in his characterization throughout until he gets to the boiling point which is very bob uh linda just loving that mustache obviously (laughs) great job there um i love the uh i love gene coming in in the astronaut so suit because just gene in a costume is just nails it you put gene in a costume you have him dance around pretending that he's in low gravity and you don't don't even need him to say anything you've nailed gene absolutely (laughs) perfect um uh tina with the uh coming in tears in her eyes uh is probably the least accurate of them for my opinion at least because i'm not sure if tina is capable of having facial expressions so like having her like this horror that's on her face that you describe i had trouble picturing that um but her the quality of her uh her erotic friend fiction uh definitely made up for that (laughs) yeah and i was so glad that we got that that we actually saw a section of the erotic friend fiction yeah i loved that jimmy pesto reading it aloud for the whole uh whole (laughs) diner that's fantastic yeah. That's just a fun comedy moment. I that couldn't. I, could, I, I couldn't <laughs> not include erotic friend fiction. You say something like that, and I have to put that in. There. You know, I mean, one of the things that I had guessed in our uh, in our uh, prediction segment was yeah. that uh, perhaps this entire piece would be a, a bit of erotic friend fiction. <laughs> uh, so the fact that you gave us a little bit of it. Gives you a lot of points in my book. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Marcus, do you want any final thoughts on this? Give some, uh, oh, give yeah, the man I've, some scores? 
Well, I got I got some things to say, uh, and sure. then I, I can give my score. Do you want to give your score first here, though? Nah, you you uh, you give your bit. Okay, I'll give my bit. See, that's just that's collaboration. That's real time. That's showing that mm-hmm. we didn't do this all in advance. It's not written out for you, except for the story, which was <laughs> well, not God, in real time. What what can possibly happen now? Yeah, <laughs> it's also immediate. <laughs> it's also live. It's real. It's the future. Uh, so again, I think this was your best story that you've done, Andrew. We've talked a lot in the past about some of your previous stories starting a little bit too early, that you're not opening with the conflict, and that's a limitation when you have such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. This got us right into the moment. You made a choice here to go with the third-person omniscient narrator. So mm-hmm. that's a narrator who knows the thoughts of every single person. Worked really well for a TV show, because in a TV show, especially a cartoon, we can flick around between characters that quickly. So my secret bonus points were that you were going to go into Luis or Tina's minds, that that was going to be your perspective. But doing the third-person omniscient sort of covers all of that. So mm-hmm. you even get my secret bonus points. And just the, the things that you were doing with the pros, you nailed so many of the characterizations, uh, particularly with Bob. I loved when Jimmy Pesto was reading the friend fiction, and he goes, oh, what kind of crap? Now that seemed pretty straightforward. That's <laughs> such a level Bob-like yeah. explanation or reaction to such a crazy thing happening, <laughs> and that was perfect. Cool. Um, but then he did these these fun little things like the marinara Alfredo, describing the pestos coming in their faces, and you did this recurring, a couple of recurring things. You had each time the door bell chimed, that was a recurring. Mm-hmm. phrasing that you had and then you also had this wonderful this was the best moment of this person's life this was not the best moment so yeah. all of those things from just a prose storytelling perspective were very strong and on top of that I think you nailed all of the characters so I'm giving you huge huge props here and I'm just going to go barrel straight into the score and then we'll let Eric do his score uh, and I'm going to give you 8 out of 8 burgers on the grill for maximum capacity this was <laughs> You know, as good as a one-draft sham fiction can be. So, well done. You've raised uh, the bar you. for yourself, my friend. Woo. Marcus, you uh, you stole my uh, scoring mechanic. That's um, why I did it first. Yeah. So, good job. I gave you the chance, uh, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, you know, I was going to give him nine uh, burgers on the grill to, to show that it was in fact the most people that had ever been in Bob's burgers. Uh-huh, so, yeah. but eight, you know, t- maxing out at the highest that they've ever had. Pretty, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but Andrew, uh, yeah, this was a very enjoyable story. I think more than anything, I was entertained uh, throughout there was no lull which is huge especially since we are talking about a comedy we're talking about an animated show we're talking about a family show and i felt all those things i could picture all these characters doing what they were doing as you described them it was like watching an episode of the show uh even if uh it didn't necessarily hit perfectly on every moment as far as accuracy to the show it didn't matter because you you had a strong voice you knew what you were doing you got my burger of the day bonus points with the with the neil parmstrong that's a good one and even played into the story you know they were talking over the moon (laughs) and all that sort of thing that was just too good uh so i'm not going to do burgers on the grill for your uh score uh but i will give you i will give bob a shiny brand new spatula Ooh. Mm-hmm. you earned That's it good. buddy oh my Very goodness good. guys i am o- i am overwhelmed um are you <sighs> over the moon oh just Edith Bunker as a Linda Belcher. <laughs> yep. yep Archie, that's pretty... I mean Bob. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That, that was oh, I, I noticed that your H. John Benjamin slipped into Patrick Warburton a couple times, but I'm totally okay with that. Oh, man. I, I made the decision. Um, Marcus, you mentioned that it was Jerry Stiller, so uh, Eric might have caught on a little bit more than you had, that that was my terrible, terrible Al Pacino that I was doing there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was my inspiration for that one. Uh, I I I have no no idea how I could have known that. (laughs) 
Pacino. <laughs> uh, so uh, I need to stop talking and catch my breath because uh, I still yeah. haven't after performing that. Um, well, so yeah. guys, can you, know, you tell nice us where we is, get this? Where, where do yeah, we get was, this show? I was going to say, if you want real pros who don't lose their breath after recording for two minutes, you can watch the original show, which is on Netflix. They just added season five. I got the email notification. Notification. Uh, nice. I, I don't mm-hmm. have to stall why'd, for time you, that much. Why'd you, it was so great. It was short. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> the there, there's the Fox there. on demand. And there's the uh-huh. Hulu. Uh, <laughs> the Hulu. Just the so, Hulu. The Hulu. The Netflix. All those things. You can watch it. You can get the Divid. You know. Uh, so pick that up. And just watch Bob's Burgers. It's on Fox. You know, it's, it's uh, Sundays. It's funny stuff. It's good. I'd watch it at lunch. So until <laughs> till next time, everybody, thank you for listening to Sham Fiction. And thank you, Andrew, for an excellent story this week. No, thank See you, you next all time. for listening. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hi, next week we will have another episode of Sham Fiction, wherein Marcus will board a train in search of spiritual oneness and perhaps a bargain shoeshine or perfect symmetrical framing. He will fail in his quest, but we, the listener, will win. Goodbye.